So thank you for being here. Um, it's a blessing to get to come up here and speak. Um, and it's, it's a blessing to be part of this church. Um, this church family has meant so much to me. And um, just Kenny just given me the opportunity. I just came to him and asked, said, hey, I, I need something that I, or I have something that I need to say. And I didn't have to say anything else. He said, yeah, go ahead. That was reassuring to me that um, he had confidence that God was going to take care of it. And um, he will. So um, tonight I'm going to be in Psalm 42. Um, and if you know anything, if you don't know anything about that psalm, that's okay. But if you do, you know it's not necessarily um, the happiest thing that you've ever read. Um, it's kind of a, it, it just, it, it really kind of puts you in one of those moods, I guess. But I think it's something that we need to go over because it deals with spiritual depression. And spiritual depression, anxiety, things like that, those are real things. Those are things that we don't need to shy away from because at some point, whether it be just for a short period of time or a, a prolonged period of time, we all deal with that. Um, if you're a kid, you know, a, a younger person and you haven't, don't worry, your time's coming. Um, I don't mean that to, to make you feel bad or get you scared or anything, but th that happens in life. It's part of life sometimes. And so I want us to know how to deal with that. And I want us to know how to deal with that in a biblical aspect. So I'm just going to read through um, this entire psalm for us real quick. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, like I said, that's kind of deep, okay? That's not something that you just smile when you read that, okay? That's, that's deep, but one thing I've noticed is as I get older, I don't know if it's always been this way or if it's just the way the times are going. And I just, I see a lot of people around me that are going through a lot of stuff. And whether it be because of certain conditions in their life or whether it just be something that they can't explain, it's just a, a feeling that they have, they're going through a lot of things that they don't know how to deal with. And I've been there, and 
sometimes I'm still there. That's a real thing, and we need to talk about it. I don't think we need to shy away from it. So the first thing I want us to go through, and we're going to go through, is the psalmist's condition, everything that he explains, where he is, and then we're going to go through his response, and then at the end, I'm going to tie this together. So first, I want us to look at verses 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? So his soul is so thirsty for God right now, he's like a deer panting for water, okay? And, and it, it would seem like, just from the way he talks, that his soul's thirsty and he's not really getting relief right now. And we can look down at verse four and it says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So he feels God's presence the most when he's worshiping with God's people. And we see down below in verse five, he's actually, he's, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Now, if you don't know where that is, the temple where they worshiped together was in Jerusalem. Mount Mizar is actually somewhere around 120 to 150 miles away from there, okay? So he wants to be with the people of God. He wants to be worshiping in the temple. And right now he can't and he's thirsty and he's not really finding relief right now. So the next point is, he's so broken, he's constantly at the point of tears. Verse three, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So literally, as soon as he wakes up, tears. As soon as he goes to sleep, tears. I mean, he's literally, his tears have been his food. So he can't even eat real food. It's been his tears. That's where he's at right now. And I think we all have that time in, my, in, in our lives. I've had it in my life where, for whatever reason, we're just on the edge of cracking all the time. And that sometimes that's a prolonged thing and sometimes it comes, you know, sometimes it comes and goes. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago, I'm, you know, cutting grass, doing my thing, whatever. I hit my head on this tree limb, didn't hit it hard, just, you know, kind of hit it. And I'm like kicking the tree and calling it names and like, you know, and the tree's been there for like 80 years. It didn't really jump out at me, okay? It was there. But that's where I was at. And, and tears literally came up in my eyes because I kind of just hit this tree limb. But that's where I was. And we're there sometimes, and that's where he is. And then I want us to look at verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? So he feels like God has forgotten him. We'll see later on that he knows God hasn't, but that's what he feels like. And he's, he's saying, he's being honest about how he feels. That's where he's at. He feels like God has said, all right, I'm done, and turned and walked away. And then we see in verses 3 and verses 10, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 10, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He not only feels forgotten, he looks forgotten. Somebody's not gonna go to somebody else who looks like they've got it all together, they've got the great job, the perfect marriage, their kids are great, whatever. They're not gonna go to them and say, where's your God now? They're gonna go to somebody that looks like they, they look the part, they look forgotten. 
So that's where he is. So this is not necessarily just something that's in his head. His conditions are making it look like God's not there and he's forgotten and he's by himself. But I want us to spend a little bit more time on his response because I think that's very important. And I, I put these together not necessarily in the way that or in the order that the text lays them out, but kind of how we might go through it in our own mind, how we might form this response. So the first thing would be he's honest about how he feels. He doesn't say, no, I'm good, I'm fine. I mean, he, he literally says, my tears have been my food day and night. So imagine you're greeting people at the door Sunday morning, somebody walks in, you say, hey man, how are you? Oh, my tears have been my food day and night, thanks. That's kind of like, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's a little bit weird. You need to go see somebody. But that's where he is. He's real about it. He doesn't, he doesn't ignore it. He tells us. He talks to God about it. And he asks why. Now, that's an interesting thing because, you know, I think there's kind of a mixed view on this. Asking why is something that, you know, some people don't really think about it, but some people, especially if you're like me, it's almost in your mind that asking why is not something that you should do because that's doubt. You're doubting God. That's sinful. You can't do that. He's got a plan. You know that. Don't ask why. But I want us to look at Matthew, if I can find it, Matthew 27, 45 and 46. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Elah, Elah, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus Christ himself on the cross, he's about to die. He asks why. He knows what's coming, okay? He knows what's about to happen, but he asks why. But I want us to see why he asked that. And I, I think, you know, we know, a, a lot of people know about Jesus on the cross saying that, but I don't think we know where that comes from. He's actually quoting the first verse of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? That's what he just quoted. So even, even when Christ himself asks why, he's quoting scripture, but there's a reason he quotes it from there. Because he knew, but I, I doubt anybody else, especially anybody following him in that moment of terror, not knowing what was going on, why this was happening, I doubt anybody this would have really come to their head who, who really knew this scripture, knew this passage. But I want us to look at the end of this, and I'll read this. And this is maybe the coolest thing that I learned while doing this. This is verses 22 through 31 of the same psalm, Psalm 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, 
for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the ones who cannot keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So Jesus Christ on the cross, quoting Psalm 22, the the very first part, knowing that the end of it is a victory cry. When we ask why, do we do that? Do we know that, do do we have in in the front of our minds that we're asking why, but victory's already been won? We're suffering, it stinks, I get it, but it's not gonna be like this forever. It may be like this while we're on earth. So be it. It ain't going to be like this forever. The victory's already here. Do we ever think about that? The next thing I want us to see is how he, he talks to himself and kind of how he phrases things. So, for example, verse 9, he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Now, that's, you wouldn't really think about that unless you're really paying attention, but he's asking why he's been forgotten, but he says, God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? God, my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my help in time of need, why have you forgotten me? It's not an accident he said it that way. Then again, verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He feels like he's drowning in this despair, this turmoil, um, this turmoil and and this feeling of being downcast, like he says in verses 5 and 11. But the water he feels like he's drowning in, it's not the devil's waterfalls. It's not sin's breakers. It's not his enemy's waves. God's waterfalls, God's breakers, God's waves. He realizes even in his drowning that the water that feels like is drowning him is under God's complete and utter control. And then verses five and 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's literally talking to himself out loud. He's talking to his soul, actually. He's talking to his own soul. He's telling his soul what to do. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a, um, a pastor in the early to mid-1900s, and he wrote a book called Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cures, and it's 220, 240 pages, I think. And the entire thing is on Psalm 42, the whole book. I'm, I'm reading it right now. I'm kind of in the beginning of it, but I recommend it for you. It's a very good book. But he says in one of the first few pages, 
I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression in a sense is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you in the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment, that is, the man in the psalm towards his negative self-talk, was this. Instead of allowing his self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he asked. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I'll speak to you. Do we do that? In our moments where everything in our mind is negative, I mean, we're just being shot at from the left and the right. You're not good enough. This job is not for you. Your marriage isn't going to work. Whatever goal you're trying to reach, you're not going to reach it. You're inadequate. God's forgotten you. Do we talk to ourselves? Do we know this enough to be able to spit stuff back at ourselves? I think that's part of our problem is most of us, myself included, we don't. And now I want us to call us, I want to call us to the last point of his response. I want you to look at the subheading. It says, to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Now this is something that most of us, including myself, usually skip over and pay no attention to because what in the world does that mean? The word mascal is actually still in the original Hebrew. It was not translated when they translated it to English because they're not exactly sure what it means. It doesn't translate cleanly. The verb it comes from, though, can mean one of two things. It can mean either something that is wisely crafted or wisely put together, or it can mean something that is meant to make wise. So either this psalm can be a psalm that is wisely put together, wisely crafted, and it is, or I would assume it would be more with the second one that this is a psalm to instruct. So this is a psalm to model something. That would be how we should respond in such a situation. Okay? That's just my opinion. Now the sons of Korah were a subgroup of the priests that were in charge of leading the singing in worship. So this psalm is meant to be sung. Now I want you to think about that. He is drowning, he feels like, at the roar of waterfalls, breakers, and waves. His tears have been his food day and night. He feels forgotten. He looks forgotten. And... By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. He's at this place, and he's singing. Now, that may not seem weird to you, but I want you to think about it. In this place, when you're calling out to God, would you be able to sing it? That's, that, that takes a little bit more of an emotional, I don't want to use the word discipline, but you, you kind of got to set yourself aside for a minute to be able to focus enough on God and to focus 
on, on simply putting everything that you're feeling aside to worship him in song. That's a little bit different than just calling out in normal words. So that's what he does. He sings it. So what's the, what's the point of all of this? When we have little and have lost much, Christ comes and reveals himself as more valuable than what we have lost. John Piper. It's easy after we've come out of that valley to look back and praise God for everything that he's done for us, okay? But we need to know how to do it when we're here. It's great to do it afterwards, don't get me wrong, but we need to know how to do it when we're here, when we don't feel like it, when we feel like everything's against us and we have nowhere to go, we've gotta know how to do it. We shouldn't be focused on deliverance, on stability, things getting back to normal. We shouldn't be focused on, you know, um, you know, what to do in, in certain situations or how to handle certain situations. All that's great. But notice he never one time mentions deliverance. Not once. I'm sure he wanted it. I mean, I, I've been here. You want it. That's not his focus. And literally the first thing he says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. He just wants God. He just wants to feel him. Deliverance is great, but that's secondary. That's coming one day. Maybe not here. It's coming, but that's not his focus. And that shouldn't be our focus because when the psalm ends, he hasn't found a solution yet. He's still there. The last thing he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then Psalm 43, honestly, they're, they're very similar. You could actually take out the chapter number, just put them together as one chapter, and it would be one. But it says the exact same thing at the end. It says the same words as in verse 5 and 11 of 42. So he's not out yet. He's still there. And he's modeling for us how to respond while we're there. But you can't get there and expect to know what to do. You've got to know this. You've got to know God and you've got to know this. Because if you wait till you get there, that's like somebody showing up for a marathon and they hadn't ran in three months. What are you going to do? You're going to die at like foot 300. Like there's nothing for you to do. You're not going to make it to the first mile. It's just going to wipe you over. We have to know this. We have to train ourselves to talk to ourselves. And I'm not, I'm not preaching, number one, that by doing this, we can save ourselves or we can fix our problems. That's not what I'm doing. And I'm not preaching this whole, you know, positive energy of the earth that's found in this rock. And that's not what I'm doing, okay? That's... I'm just saying we have to know how to talk to ourselves because the devil's real and he's after you. That's not fake. That's not a lie. You've got to know that. He's after you. 
And so we have to know when we get here, we've got to know this and we've got to know how to respond. And we've got to know that even more than anything else, Christ is still what we want. The victory's here. The deliverance is coming. Eventually, Christ is what we've got to have. We don't need anything else. We don't need air. We don't need water. We don't need food. We need Christ. Okay? Let me pray for us. Lord, again, thank you for allowing us all to be here together, to worship you together in your house. Lord, this place is not a fun place to be. It's not an enjoyable place to be. But I pray that you would teach us how to be there and how to be there well. And you would guide our steps. You would clear our vision enough when we're there to still be able to see you beyond everything else. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you have given us, Lord. We thank you that you've already won the battle. The victory is already yours. And we pray that in our moments of struggling, you'll help us remember that. We love you, Lord. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.